So how are you guys this morning? Good. I'm so excited to um, be living the dream. I just can't tell you what it means to me and to Travis to be your pastors. And I know I'm emotional, but I can't. It's the way God made me. And uh, Sheriff um, Campbell was here yesterday on our panel. We had a Hope Dealers Day yesterday, and it was powerful. A training day to bring awareness, to bring education, to bring hope to this valley regarding addiction and recovery and testimonies. It was unreal. And when I got to sit on a panel with with Orvis Campbell, our sheriff, and he, I greeted him afterwards. I said, thank you for being here. And he said, you made me cry. You're not supposed to make the sheriff cry. <laughs> I'm supposed to be tough. <laughs> That's the heart of the leader of our police force. He loves people, and to hear that heart, like, that's cool. That's, that's more than cool. That's God. We have a mayor that loves the Lord. We have people in, the, in our political system that love the Lord, and, and there's something happening in this valley. Oh, my goodness. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Our fall time is our missions emphasis. So last week we had Jonathan here with us, who is a local missionary. He is from here, and I love that. And then next week we're going to have our missionaries, the Stetses from Sweden. They're going to be here to share their story, and they're amazing. We've got to have several encounters with them, and they are, they are just so cool. But this week the Lord really was doing something in me. For the entire week it was crazy. How many of you remember me saying this over and over? God is not a God of coincidence, right? Never forget that, okay? Never forget that because, you know, there are things that happen in your life and you're like, oh, that was just a coincidence. Oh, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. And this week, I felt like there was just coincidence after coincidence after coincidence that the Lord put on my heart to, and I, for a while now I've felt this coming, to study more about this valley, how many of you love history? How many of you hated it in school? Okay. I want to try not to be dry like school, and I want to try to breathe life into a little bit of history. I'm going to share just a little bit of history because it is so divinely prophetic why we are here right now. Why you were born, Julia, right now in this time in history, Chuck. Why you love history. We had dinner with Chuck the other night, and man, that guy knows stuff. You want to know something about the Civil War? Talk to Chuck Baker. You want to know something about guns? Talk to Chuck Baker. He knows his stuff. I mean, we had some random conversations about history, too, I won't go into right now. But it is, it is just, I did not like it as a kid. I would try not to fall asleep. <laughs> my, my mom was my teacher too, so I love you, mommy. Um, but you know, it, there's something about growing older and recognizing the shoulders you're standing on. There's something about Remembering as a child, learning about this area, and then going back on that ground one more time, and like, oh my goodness. 
So I'm going to get into that today. And today's message is called Breeding It Home. Bring it home. Our home is the beautiful Tuscarawas Valley. We live in a river valley. And that is so significant in the spirit realm. Because in a river valley, there's life. Right? That's why when the colonists moved here, they moved here because there was a river, because there was a creek, because there was a water source. So this is where they came. The first settlement on this side of the Appalachian Mountains was right here. Come on. That's a big deal. The first missions settlement was right on this ground. And I know that we've heard Pastor Larry share this. I remember all of my childhood, he took that history seriously. And I want you to know that as your pastors, we are taking that history seriously because it is prophetic in what God is about to do in this valley. What the enemy meant for evil, God is going to turn for the good. And it goes 200 years back and even farther. Yeah? Do you believe that? My God is a prophetic God. That means he gives us hope and encouragement, and he gives us words to understand where we're going. And it's something that, I'm going to read this quote. It should be on the screen. That should be the heart of every one of us. Billy Graham said it. My purpose in life is to help people find a personal relationship with God which I believe comes through knowing Christ. Why are you alive right now? That's your reason. And then I have another quote that I love that I wanted to put at the beginning because I'm going to intertwine this throughout the message. But living a life filled with the Spirit of God is the only... Living a life filled with the Spirit of God. Just wanted to emphasize that part is the only possible way I can consistently bring others into an encounter with God. Maintaining awareness of him with the willingness to do whatever he wants makes this challenging goal doable. How do I bring others into an encounter with God? Through my encounter with him. Right? It is very simple. We make it so complicated. But it is through my encounter, my relationship, that I get to give out his love to other people. It's so cool. It's not hard. I believe that this church, and I'm speaking prophetically, I'm also speaking present, because this is not just in the future, this is right now. This church was planted here in this valley for such a time as this. And our mission, I, I love this, this is a quote, but I'm stealing it as, our mission is to saturate the land with the works of Jesus. What is our mission? To saturate the land with the works of Jesus. What are our youth about to step out and do? Saturate the land with the works of Jesus. What are you about to do when you go to Provia tomorrow and you do your job? Saturating the land with the works of Jesus. Amen? 
Wherever we go, we have an opportunity to saturate. Because, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. I want to read you this passage because this passage means a lot to me personally, but I believe it's a message for the church. Ezekiel 37, dry bones rising. There's so much happening out there right now that yesterday we saw a community gather in unity. We saw the church. We saw people from all churches gather. We saw leaders from all walks of life gather and say, we want the same thing. We want freedom in this valley. We want dry bones to rise. We want no more suicides. We want no more overdoses. We want no more depression. And the unity of thought and heart was so powerful. I walked out like I got zapped with an electric, like, Ooh, so good. I don't know about you guys, but I just was so excited to see what God is doing. The Ezekiel Project, dry bones rising, planted in the heart of downtown New Philadelphia. When we named our son Ezekiel, we had no idea the prophetic meaning behind his name and how we knew what it meant, but we had no idea the impact and the overflow in our own lives. And God brought me back to this word again, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. And I am telling you right now that there are... It is time to call life back to this valley. And it's not just my job. It's not just his or theirs. It is every one of us in this room, every one of us that has had an encounter with Jesus. Amen? It is time. And we've said this before, not on my watch. And I love what Rick said yesterday, and it put me in tears. He said, I want this place to be where my son is raised and where he is healthy and thriving. That's my heart for my children. You see, what we choose to turn our backs on now becomes a greater problem for them. But what we bring to the table now brings greater breakthrough for them. Amen? your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren from generation to generation. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. Where are you right now? And it was full of bones. He caused me to pass all around them, and behold, there were very many human bones in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to the God, to these bones, Behold, I will make breath enter you so that you may come back to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you so that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Ezekiel was obedient. And as I prophesied, there was a thundering noise, and behold, a rattling. <laughs> can, you, 
Can you imagine? I'm sorry, I'm excited, and I'm, but I'm not sorry because I just, I see this happening in this valley. I see us being a part of the bones rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there was sinews on the bones, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to the breath, sorry, I lost my place. And say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, (laughs) an exceedingly great army, an exceedingly great army. They came to life, and they stood on their feet, and they are exceedingly great, and they are an army of the Lord. I felt like yesterday was that army rising. I feel like what God has been saying, what God has been doing is this army rising. So many things are running through my head right now. I'm going to try and stay on track. But I am telling you right now, and you can write this down, and you can come back to it in a few years when it's come to pass that God is going to pour his spirit out on Ohio, and he is going to breathe life into Ohio, and we are going to be a part of the generation that experiences it, and we are going to be a part of the generation that sees life breathed back into these bones. And it's coming. So, calm it down a little bit. He's just so good. Can I just be real with you? Like, I have days where I'm not as crazy, I promise. But it's, it's, there's nothing like being in step with the Holy Spirit. And there is nothing crazy that you have to do to make this happen. All you have to do is love him, receive from him, and be obedient. And that's crazy enough. Amen? Amen. So this week, crazy enough, my girls had a field trip to Shunbrun Village. How many of you have been there? Super cool. They had a homeschool day on Friday. And on Thursday, I had sat down with an online history journal, the history of Tuscarawas County, and I had read page after page after page after page. But before that, I knew that the history of the valley was going to be a part of this message. Then I realized that Shunbrun was on the calendar. Coincidence? I honestly, we, are, we want to be at the place where we can have messages planned out like months in advance. But right now, Holy Spirit is like, nope, I want you to take it one week at a time, which is cool and scary sometimes. <laughs> But this week, I landed with my two oldest daughters at Shunbrun Village, and I had spent hours reading. And it is, for the history people in the room, it is just so crazy to read. But they constantly reminded us, you're not going to find this history in the, in the history books, in the classroom. You have to go searching for this history. Interesting. So we went searching, and they had a reenactment, and people had to be dressed perfectly in garb and, and attire. It was so cool. It was so cool for a history geek that I am now. 
So I just want to read to you kind of a synopsis of my experience and what happened here. And this is from Leslie's perspective. This is not a published thing or anything like that, so just bear with me. But I put the history of this valley, Tuscarawas County. Tuscarawas Valley was home of the Delaware Lenape Native Americans and the first settlement and mission settlement outside of the original colonies was here. At one point, the villages were rapidly growing. The Christian Moravian villages were rapidly growing with Native American converts through the ministry of Reverend David Zeisberger and his team. They experienced a revival and rapid growth for a season during this century. There was a lot of unrest. There was a lot of unrest among the Native Americans. There was unrest among the Americans. There was unrest among the French and the British. It was an all-out war for this land, which grieves me. And this is just Leslie's perspective, but this land didn't belong to us. It didn't. So... That's another topic for another day. But what I love about the Moravian immigrants who came from Moravia, who decided that they were going to be on mission to an unreached people group across the Appalachian Mountains in Ohio, not a coincidence, they decided that they were going to live peaceably with these people, that they weren't going to take from them, but they were going to give to them that they weren't going to rob them of something, but that they were going to enhance their life with the gospel. And they built villages in Shunbrun, in Janaton, in Bolivar, in Coshocton. They had thriving missions happening here. And Native Americans, the Lenape and many other tribes included, were getting saved, and their lives were changed, and they were getting baptized, and they were serving Jesus. In the middle of the French and Indian War, in the middle of the Revolutionary War happening, this was happening here. The British, the Americans, the immigrants claiming the land for religious freedom, the French, the Native Americans trying to maintain ownership of the land that rightfully belonged to them. This caused great distress that ebbed and flowed throughout our nation's history. There was great cost. Right here on this land, peaceful Native Americans who had converted to Christianity were massacred by a volunteer American militia corps. A hot-headed corps is what they were described as. Basically, this militia corps took it on their own accord to come and massacre the Moravian Indians while they were gathering corn from the field. It's a long story. I'm giving you a brief part. But they believed that they were a part, these Indians, they believed that they were a part of a murder that happened in Pennsylvania. They weren't. The rumor was, therefore, they included them in and said they deserved to die. So while they were here gathering their crops, and they had actually relocated to Sandusky, Ohio, but they came back for their crops because they were starving. And while they were here, the hundred that were here, they violently murdered them in Janate on this ground. Ninety-six lives were lost that day. 
34 of them were children. 29 men, 27 women. In the history book, I quote, thus consummated one of the foulest deeds that has ever stained American history. Right here. To me, spiritually, there are ramifications to that. The enemy knew the gospel was going forward here. And he did not like it. He is evil. If it is death, loss, and destruction, it is not God. Right? Why would I tell you this right now? Why would I bring this up in this message? That's just a little bit of the beautiful history. You need to go to Shunbrun. They didn't even hardly talk about that part. I had to ask about that part. But they talked about so many beautiful things about the Lenape people and how the missionaries came in and they learned their language and they put it into print and they helped them learn how to write their language out. And it was just such a beautiful relationship. But I believe that we are here in this valley for a reason. And this, again, is the Lord speaking to me and me bringing my heart to you. And what he's saying to me is that we are here to bring restoration. I want to say the word vengeance, but that's not ours, right? But it's, it is vengeance against the enemy, not against the people, not against, you know, the politics of it. I'm talking about the enemy has had a target on this land for a very long time. They said the drug of choice then was rum. And it infiltrated and it poisoned families and lives. Hasn't changed, has it? What God wants to do here is beyond our imagination in this beautiful river valley that he created, that he ordained. And he ordained you to be born now to be a part of what he wants to do to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring wholeness into families and lives. I actually witnessed as a kid, I don't know if I was a teenager but it was one of the craziest days. I don't have a very good memory because my mom's like, we went there. Don't you remember? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's a great. Sounds like it was fun, but I don't remember. <laughs> and I actually remember this one day. We were, I don't, were we in Janaton? We were in Janaton. And they brought the Lenape people, the Delaware people back. And they apologized. And it was a day I will never forget. There were tears, even centuries later. There is such restoration that God is going to bring to this valley. I am not over-spiritualizing it. And I cannot emphasize it more. I found this a few years ago when we cultivated the ground in our backyard Oh, no. 
when we cultivated the ground in our backyard for a garden. Can you take her out? Thank you. That's my kid. I love you, Brielle. I can't focus if she's crying. <laughs> so I found this. It's an arrowhead. It's the tip of the arrowhead. It's not a full arrowhead, but this was in my backyard in my garden when we tilled up the garden. And I've held on to it ever since because I'm like, it was real. They really were here. This was their ground, and they cultivated it, and the missionaries were here, and they gave them the gospel, and they received Jesus, and they, it was real, and it was my ground that I own now, and I can't be more grateful. The valley is where the gospel came first. It is time for the body of Christ to arise in this valley once again to avenge the innocent, to bring justice into homes, to stop overdoses, to eradicate drugs and alcohol abuse, to free the captive, to bring life back here. And that doesn't mean that life hasn't been happening here, but it's like God has been just putting the puzzle pieces together all of these years through our obedience, through our working together as the body of Christ. And, and he's about to bring such a unity in the churches in this area that is going to just shake rattle and roll this county. Amen? Do you agree with that? Do you think we should be in unity, working together, supporting each other, cheering each other on? They're doing that ministry over there. Go there. They're doing that ministry over there. We don't need to redo that. They're doing it great. Let's support them and give to that. Amen? Cheering each other on. The unity and the power behind that. I got to witness a little bit of the start yesterday. And it wasn't just yesterday. It's been happening. But, oh, my goodness, it's so exciting. I really hope I'm not missing a page of my notes. I am, but that's okay. You guys didn't need to hear that part. Oh, I found it. Ha! Ta-da! Man, you guys thought you were getting out of here a page earlier. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. This is like the most important part. So, John 37. Jesus said, John 37 through 39. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit has not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But now the Holy Spirit is here. And I think it's fun, it's not a play on words, that this is a river valley, and we are to flow with his power like a river. He said, come and drink from me. And that drink pours out in a river. Amen? He lives in us. 
I read this on Wednesday night. But he wants out. He is in us as a river, not a lake. He is flowing. He is a flowing presence, carrying the heart of the Father, desiring to saturate the land with the works of Jesus. That's where my quote came from. He lives in us, but he wants out. And what happens when you let him out is he, he saturates the land. The river that pours through you will saturate this land and bring redemption, restoration, and wholeness. Amen? That's good news. If you look at Isaiah 43, it's prophetic. I'm sorry, Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour out on the thirsty land and streams on dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. Jesus is referred to prophetically as a river over and over and over. Isaiah 55, Isaiah 58, Ezekiel 42, Revelation 22. Jesus is a river of living water. Matthew 28, 19. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the women that were left, that left for Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. But some still had lingering doubts. Then Jesus came close to them and said, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Holla! How much authority does Jesus have? How big is the universe? Unimaginably huge. So I tell the girls, I love you so big, it's just bigger than the universe. They're like, what is that? He has authority. And he says, now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. What did the Moravians set out to do? The Great Commission. They were here. Now, we may not agree with the, all the doctrine and all the stuff, but they were here to deliver the gospel. On their ship ride over, I was reading this, and I took a screenshot on my phone. It says John Wesley was with them. How many of you have heard of John Wesley? Okay, big dude. He was with them. John Wesley arrived at Savannah, Georgia, in the same vessel that brought these first Moravians. In his journal, he thus described them. I had a long, I had long before, I have to speak in Old English, this is not going to go very well. I had long before observed the great seriousness of their behavior. He's talking about the Moravians. Of their humility, they had given a continual proof by performing those servile offices for other passengers, which none of the English would undertake, for which they desired and would receive no pay, saying, it was good for their proud hearts and their Savior had done more for them. And every day had given them occasion of showing a meekness, which no injury could move. If they were pushed, struck, or thrown down, they rose again and went away. But no complaint was found in their mouth. 
There was now an opportunity of trying whether they were delivered from the spirit of fear as well as from that of pride, anger, and revenge. In the midst of the psalm wherewith their service began, a storm arose. The sea broke up over up, split the main sail in pieces, covered the ship, and poured in between the decks as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. A terrible screaming began among the English. The Germans calmly sang on. I asked one of them afterward, was you not afraid? He answered, I thank God, no. But were not your women and children afraid? He replied, no, our women and children were not afraid. That is the people that God sent to this valley. And, and you know what? <laughs> They're not any more special than you are. They're not any more important than you are. They just believe the gospel and let his river pour through them. And as the river poured, peace was there, so fear wasn't. A boldness to go where no man has gone before was there. Right? That's so cool. And to have John Wesley write that about you and how you, and I love what they said. It was good for their proud hearts and their Savior had done for them, for them to serve. That's Jesus. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It should not be above us to serve. That actually should be the main, like, cultural thing that people notice about Lifeway is that they're willing to jump in, all hands on deck. Even if it's poop all over the floor, they're ready to clean it up. It doesn't matter what position we are in, right? We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And we are, that is that, I just love that, that attitude, that mindset. And that is the gospel. And that is the river of living water pouring through them. They can't manifest that on their own, right? Okay. We are so full of the spirit that we saturate the environment around us with his presence. What brings a dry land back to life? What brings the dry land back to life? Water. What is Jesus equating his spirit with? A powerful raging river coming from within you through relationship with him in surrender to his provision through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I say yes to you. I surrender to you, all of you, and nothing less. And gush, here comes the river. Amen? I love yesterday, I heard them explaining the 12 steps of AA and um, the gospel intertwined in AA. And I love how the second one, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was surrender. Is that right? Number two? Something like that. It's in there. But surrender had to be a place that you come to him to receive. I believe we all need the 12 steps. Yeah? We all need to acknowledge our need for a Savior, our need for His power, our need for freedom from Him, because we can try all we want, but it ain't going to happen on our own. Without the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God and the belief that Jesus is who He says He is, we will not be victorious. But with the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God and the belief that Jesus is the son of God, we will be victorious. It is a guarantee. It is a promise. 
How do we let the river flow? We walk in obedience to the Father's voice. Jesus said, all authority was given to me and I give it to you. He said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. I don't say anything unless the Father tells me to say it. That is hard and that requires Holy Spirit. I need your help. A gentle rest into him and saying, I cannot do this on my own. I need your power. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And I need it to pour through me into my relationships with other people. Drink. <laughs> I think of the drink and be merry. Jesus said, come to me and drink, right? And then one drink flows into a river. Drink. People drink. Drink of him. Receive. All you have to do is ask. Sometimes you don't even have to pick up the Bible. You can just say, Jesus, I need you. And whoosh, here it comes. Holy Spirit, flood. Three key things to always remember, and then I'm done. This is from the quote I read at the beginning, but I wanted to repeat these three things. Always be awake to the inner desire to bring others into an encounter with God. Always be awake. Be ready in season and out of season. Isn't that what the word says? To give an answer for the hope that you have, right? Always be awake. When you're, Eric, Eric challenges us so well in the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're in here or you're out there, you always need to be awake and you need to be more awake out there than you are in here. But please don't fall asleep on me. You need to be awake that every person you walk by, they did an illustration yesterday. We do this or we do this or we gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Slow down. Every person we encounter needs an encounter with God. And it may be their last chance. It may be their last chance. And all you have to say is simple. Hey, I'm Leslie. Eric said this yesterday. Hey, how you doing? Don't be weird, right? Don't be weird. Hey, how you doing? I'm Leslie. God loves you. I just needed to tell you that today. Is there anything I could pray for you for? Is there anything you need? Come on. It's very simple. Always be awake to bring others into an encounter. But in order to be awake, you have to be full of that spirit, right? And you have to have an encounter yourself over and over and over and over and over. Number two, be willing. I'm sorry. Be always aware of his presence. We say this to our kids. God is everywhere and he sees what you do. Right? He knows Jesus is watching you. <laughs> Have you ever heard that joke? And Jesus was a dog and the, his name was Jesus. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Ask Travis that one because I don't think I can tell it very well. <laughs> I'm not good at it. It's okay. Always be aware of his presence. He is with you. He's not watching you. He's walking with you. He's got you. He is going before you. He stands behind you. He is all around you. Always be aware of that. Whenever you need help, when you feel stress starting to clench around your neck or pushing down on your shoulders, God's presence is there. And his Holy Spirit's river is there. Always being aware. 
And that's hard to do sometimes, but we got to remind ourselves, remind ourselves. We, we get an amnesia sometimes, like somebody whacked us in the head, and we forget who God is and what he can do. And it happens to all of us. But we always need to re- get back to that place that you are with me, you are for me, you are not against me, you have me, you go before me, you stand behind me. Amen? Yeah. And number three, be willing to do whatever he wants you, me, us to do. Whatever he wants us to do. Wow, that's cool. It's like going on an adventure every day. But I look at these Moravians and I look at our history and I see what God has done in this valley before. They said on any given day they could have three to four hundred on property at Shunbrunt. That's how big this little village that was the first one grew in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Missions is here. Bring it home. We give so that others can go, and that is amazing, and we will never stop. But you are just as vital to this valley as a missionary going to Africa. Y'all should be saying amen. Every one of us. You are just as important. Amen? You allowing the river to flow will challenge the landscape and change it. I, I, I want to see, a, a, yesterday they asked us, what's your five-year, again, not a coincidence that yesterday happened yesterday and God gave me the word for today. It's just crazy. But they said, what's your dream in five years? Where do you want to see this valley? And it was so cool because Natalie, who is a part of the Adams board, which is a board that connects drug and alcohol rehabilitation, and, and she's so, so awesome, but somebody said, you've got job security for life. Doesn't that just, oh, break your heart? Because she, instantly, she said, I don't want it. If it means that people are suffering and they're stuck in addiction, I don't want job security. That, to me, speaks volumes about our future. If the people that are helping people, genuinely loving people, genuinely going after them are willing to say, it doesn't matter what I need. It doesn't matter what I have. It matters that they come into a place of wholeness. She didn't know, but she spoke the heart of the gospel with those words. She was Jesus in that moment. My dream is to see empty hospitals, empty jails. Come on. To see no more of New Philadelphia, Tuscarawas County on the stats in the nation. No more. Oh, man. When rivers become united, they flow into a great ocean. There is such power in the ocean. Amen? And and when we join together... And we say, we're going to lock arms, and we're going to do this together. Not one of us is doing this on our own. That's why we're a body. And when we join in unity, the power of the river that flows. Our mission is to saturate the land. Will you stand with me? To saturate the land with the works of Jesus.
When you step on ground that's saturated, what happens? <laughs> Your feet get wet. When someone is around you and you're full of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Jesus flowing through you, what happens to them? Their feet get wet. Right? They experience God. And Jesus said, I will put nothing heavy on you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is not a heavy burden to win this county for Jesus. This is amazing. This is, this is the best thing that you could ever set your mind and your heart to. And it'll be the easiest thing you ever do. Come on. And I want you to know that I, didn't, I don't have a conclusion for this message because I don't think there's an end. I think it's just a continual like, Jesus, every song we sang this morning was about being filled. So we're going to take this time, and the conclusion is you saying, Holy Spirit, I surrender, fill. Pour through. Pour through. Let, let businesses be birthed today. Let ministries be birthed today. Let opportunities be just poured through today, right now. He's going to give you visions and dreams. He's not going to say, do this and not accomplish it, right? He's going to give you a plan, and you just need to keep in step with his plan for how he is asking you to do what you do. You don't have to have a beautiful map of every step until the end, okay? Sometimes we stop and we don't move forward with the Lord and a vision he's giving us because we only have the next step in front of us and we get scared. Don't get scared this morning. Don't allow the enemy to stop what is happening in this valley. We cannot allow him to have another victory here. And it's really not a victory. Let me just say that. He loses. He has lost. We're here now. And I know I'm talking about us, and I'm not talking about previous generations, but that it's not that they haven't. God has done amazing things in this valley, and it's more, 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 more.